Hello and welcome to the One Thing Podcast brought to you by the Horton Group. We're at the Horton Group. We specialize in insurance, employee benefits, and risk advisory. And I'm your host, Jason Helfer. Excited, excited, excited today to have as a guest and a dear friend of myself and the Horton Group, President and CEO of Community Services Foundation and CTF Illinois, Mary Pat Ambrosino. How you doing, Mary Pat? Hey, I'm having a really good day. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. What makes it such a good day? Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of finishing up about six meetings. <laughs> they all been pretty good. <laughs> all over Zoom or Teams too? Uh, of course, all over Zoom. I got to talk to Senator Hastings today. I had an IARF meeting. Um, I had a leadership meeting. So got a lot of stuff done. Well, good. Well, good. Well, we'll make this one as productive as possible so you can keep the trend going. Yeah. And there is an Irish toast that says... There are good ships and there are wood ships, you know, the ships that sail the sea. But the best ships are friendships, and may they ever be. And I shared that, not only because you're Irish, right, and I'm Irish too, so I thought you'd appreciate it. But, Mary Pat, there are, there are people in this world that you meet. And at the time you meet them, you have no idea what kind of impact they'll have in your life. Uh, no idea what kind of great role model or patient teacher they'll be for you. And Mary Pat, you have been all three of those to me in my life. Um, for everybody listening to the podcast today, uh, Mary Pat Ambrosino is the friend who introduced me to the nonprofit world back in 08. Uh, we've been friends ever since, and my parents introduced me to the nonprofit world, but in the professional setting. Mary Pat is the one who introduced me to the nonprofit world, and I just want to say thank you so much for doing that. It's been a hell of a ride, and you're a hell of a friend, and, and I know you very well. I know your family, I know your history, and I know that a lot of people do know CTF and you, but for those that don't, what's one thing we should know about CTF and, and your role and, and how you came to be CEO? Um, CTF, I think, is just an amazing machine that humanizes the most vulnerable people in Illinois. We um, are a very strong organization. We're a very progressive organization. And I love and I love when we never say no to a challenge. And I'll give you an example that we have a an individual resident um, in Charleston who is identifying themselves now as a different gender and we are helping them through the entire process to transition from going to doctor's appointments to psyche, the psychiatrist appointments. We're making it happen for this person and I don't think the world would have done that except CTF because quote unquote, this person also has an intellectual disability. So that would have been the ver first barrier to say no. And that's never a barrier with us. Well, that's, that's fantastic. It's amazing. Right? And, I, and I, I love the nonprofit community for that. I think there's countless stories that, that people can share on a daily basis, whether it's a, a DSP who's helping out an individual in, in a SILA or somebody, we help find a job, 
mm-hmm. right? I mean, so many rewarding things going on today in, in the nonprofit community. And so I guess give me a couple other examples of cool things that's going on at CTF right now that you're proud of that you want people out there to know about. Um, I'll give you the, you know, like I was really thinking in like who CTF is and how do you visualize your organization, right? And you know how they have now, they have those photo mosaics. And Mm -hmm. so when you look far, there's this big picture, but when you look close, there's just a thousand different people making that picture, how pretty it is. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, that to me is, that's how I kind of live my daily life. And And I always talk to our COO every single day and she literally gives me a story, you know? And so every day we have something to talk about. We can talk about the funding, we can talk about everything, but we make it a point to talk about someone doing something that you and I might take for granted. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about success stories, they could be like a month ago, we had a young man living in, um, he is in Olney, um, and he has CP. And he is immobile, he you know is in a wheelchair, and his whole house was going to Florida, which is, great in itself right Mm -hmm. and probably nine out of ten people said he can't go because of his mobility issues well we had a staff member that said "Mm -mm, not taking it she found a company in florida that has wheelchairs that are able to be on the beach and in the water so this (laughs) young man who's never seen the ocean before you know, they have videos of him just having the water hit him in the face, and he's just had the best time of his life. Anybody else walking on the beach and seeing the ocean for the first time, you're in awe, right? But you can then do, like, you can always do that. This this young man probably never imagined that he could be there, and, and he was there. So it's that. that, that that's awesome. And- so for all of the friends of CTF and of Horton for that matter that have sponsored things like the golf outing, mm-hmm. right? That the Jerry Meyer golf outing for what since 2009. You want to know where your money goes? Yeah. You want to know what impact you're making? You made an impact on a young man's life. They got to do something that he otherwise probably wouldn't have been able to experience. And so for all the people out there that are have donated and continue to donate that's exactly the impact you're making. So stories like that are are not uncommon at CTF, and which is why I love I love being a part of it as well. Right, and that's the it, it's it's that type of events in someone's life that actually fundraising does cover. You know, it's not to keep the lights on. Back in the day, maybe in the <laughs> 90s, when you, or 2008, right? We remember. It was, yeah, to keep the lights on. Um, and, and we're past it, and we do everything we possibly can. We had another um, guy, Terry, in Charleston, and he's also in a wheelchair. And I, for the last three years, he's written to the city of Charleston once a month saying, why don't you have a sidewalk in front of my house? I can't get from A to B. I need a sidewalk. I need a sidewalk. And uh, two months ago, he got his letter, and it's nicer out in Charleston than it is up here, right? Um, he got a sidewalk. 
Very cool. You know, learning, teaching them about advocacy and their rights, it sticks. It really does. Well, very cool. And I'm sure we can go on for a long time, and it's it's always fun to talk about those types of success stories, right? And, and, yeah. and not only the feel good, but just the impact that the agency is having. And I'm not also not naive. Right? Right. I know there are a lot of challenges, and uh, we being a, a for-profit company of our own sets of challenges, and you know, so we're not absolved you know, from issues like COVID, for an example, or, or workforce, and we feel that here, and we know that you struggle with that as well. But in addition to, or maybe just expand on either one of those, you know, what are, what's, the, what's the biggest challenge right now? Or what's the one challenge you are laser focused on fixing or addressing, you're collaborating with your team, your COO, so if it's Melissa or Becky, whoever it may be, hey team, we've got to get this right. Well, like, it just, I'll give you two. The one is the one that everybody has, and that's workforce stability, right? I mean, it's, um, we are at a very, very high, more than ever before, we are at a high staff vacancy rate, um, maybe 31% up here in the suburbs. Um, and it does cause issues in an agency. Um, we would strive to, the stories I told you, we would strive to do that every single day. And sometimes with these type of workforce um, issues we have right now, we go back to the health and safety of everybody. You know, that's just the reality of it. Sure. And it, we, are, we have very proud moments when everyone's healthy and safe. Um, I think, and that's at our DSP level, our direct service professional level. And it is hard, but also I think what is the glue to every company is their middle management. You know, those are the ones that support the direct service personnel, mm -hmm. relay information, the right information, and do a lot of the ground and paperwork. Um, and that for the first time, Jason, we're really seeing that there, we can't hire these people. There's no one out there. And nobody wants, no longer wants this, what we call a queue position. Their um, caseworkers are really hard to find. Our um, house managers are very hard to find, and that never happened before. It was okay. always DS. We didn't have the DSP staff. Now, we still don't have the all the DSP staff, <laughs> right. but now we're struggling to find that to the glue. We're struggling to keep our uh, everything together because we're the glue's getting <laughs> pretty weak, and that's what scares me. I think the most because my connections getting weaker. Yeah, it's, it's that's interesting. I you know I think everybody understands or at least has a, an appreciation for the, the DSB challenges for our staffing, and I think most people are aware that are in tune with the the industry that there's a generation gap on the executive level. Yeah. Right. I think for you have a lot of people retiring and going on to the the next more next phase of their life, and what you don't hear about. So it's interesting you brought that up the middle manager piece, right? That the connectivity, as you called it, between the execs and, and the house manager, or the house managers are part of that middle management. Why do you think that is? I think the stress level of it, because they're the ones that when a DSP does not come to work, they're there, so their jobs are really 24-7. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I also think the 
the pay scale, I mean, being a non-for-profit and being 95% pretty much relying on the state, we deal with a fixed budget. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even the state did a great job last year of giving us, uh, you know, quite a big bump. We're still underwater. We can't compete with the other industries who also rely on middle managers. And I don't think the people in college right now are going in this field. I think this, okay. you know, I think healthcare is, is, is in trouble and I think human services is going to be in trouble of people who are wanting to go into this field of work. It doesn't help, does it? No. And so no. if you're competing for talent and part of your carrot approach is money, which is just to everybody, I don't care who you are, right? If you're mission-driven dri- mission or you're passionate about healthcare or, yep. or you're in a machine shop, yep. right? money is, does play an issue because we all have families. Not everybody, most people have families and bills to pay. And what, I, what I've learned or come to appreciate about nonprofit leaders is uh, more than most other a- agents industry, they're forced to do more or the same with less, mm-hmm. right? I think Horton, for example, you know, we could acquire a new customer and get paid, and then we could, in turn, hopefully pay our employees more, right? That's part of what we do with, with the income we, we generate. You don't necessarily have that opportunity to change the rate structure. You can go out and get more clients, right, hopefully, but you can't change the rate in which you're compensated. And so what are some of the things that you're trying to do, right, to attract talent outside of, hey, we'll just pay you more. Come on in. We'll just pay you whatever you want, right? And I love how nonprofits are almost forced to, and they could teach us. So I think all the for-profit companies out there listening, so if you're a bank or an accounting firm listening to this, I think lean on your nonprofit leaders for ways to get creative and think outside the box. And so what are some of those things you've tried, or at least maybe not even you've tried to implement, but you've heard working? Um, I think being allowing to be a little bit more flexible in their work schedule helps. If mm-hmm. so, if you're a case manager, if you, you know, some of them now are working till seven at night, kids were in school, they had to go somewhere in the morning. When can you work is basically, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, flexible in the amount of days because we are 24-7. Maybe someone likes to be off on a Tuesday so they can work on a Saturday and then be off on a Tuesday. So we're really, I mean, I'm old school, like you say, Irish and potatoes, <laughs> you know, get to work at 8 and you know, yeah, leave at 5. And, you know, I had a lot of, been taught by a lot of nuns in my days. This structure is so there. So I personally take a step back and allow that to happen. That's outside my box, right? Um, and I just I just think just having a, a more friendlier environment. And, you know, too, I think we've gotten away. We always try to address what you've done well because I think a lot of times at work, you know, you have performance avail. It's always on the negative side, you know? So we have like, now we're really, we have a cultural committee here. So we do an employee of the month, um, and it could be anybody. It used to be just mm-hmm. DSPs. Now it's anybody. I mean, I haven't been nominated yet, but somebody <laughs> can nominate me, right? Um, and you know, and then I we 
a certificate and I write them a personal note. I'm doing a lot of personal writing and I have my managers, my administrators do the same. Send them a note, what's their home address, say, hey, you've done a great job. And I really ask the staff what specifically made them the employee of the month and I write it in there. I acknowledge that, you know, the lady with, you know, mm -hmm. Melissa who got Austin in the wheelchair, well, she was employee of the month. Oh my God, Melissa, you changed his life, you know? Sure. And I've gotten a really good feedback with this. And I just think that that communication, we've gotten away from it. Yeah. And I just think it, we're just slowly trying to bring that back and personalize our communication with everybody. Yeah, I, that's a really good example and a reminder, even to myself. I, you know, we, we used to have people here in the office all the time. And I think it was easier, right, to share gratitude because uh, you'd walk by their desk. Yeah. You know, you're on the way to the lunch. Oh, hey, hey Mary Pat, thank you so much. I love what you did with A, B, C, and D. Yeah. That changed this, blah, blah, blah. Thank you so very much. Yeah. Well, now I walk out my office door and I don't even pass anybody. Yeah. And I don't like that for a lot of reasons, right. but I think, you know, it's a great call out to be intentional and mindful about that because I mean, you hear stories all the time. People leave for a lot of reasons. One is they feel unappreciated, not heard. Yeah. You know, they're, I mean, DSPs, they work their butts off. They do. And they do a wonderful, they have a wonderfully important job. And I think it could probably sometimes be easy to feel unappreciated. Mm -hmm. And so I, I commend you and the, the leadership team for doing that. It's a great message for for myself and the rest of people listening. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, keeping with the St. Patrick's Day theme, if you will, right? I'm an Irish kick, and so this will come out around St. Patrick's Day. There's a, not really a proverb, because it's not, it's not a proverb, but it's a saying. As you slide down the banister of life, May the splinters never point in the wrong direction. Okay. And as the CEO of a large agency, it's your responsibility to identify those splinters and navigate accordingly. So if you look out in the future and put your CEO lens on, which you always have on, what are those splinters? What's the future look like? What are you excited about? What scares you? Um, I think what scares me as we we continue to see the trend of a workforce issue right um and what scares me is not having people to support people because that's our job and we truly in our industry we need actual people you know employed we can't get by with anything else but that human human contact right um but that being said Non-for-profits are probably always the last to be technology efficient, right? Um, and so, you know, what is out there? There's so many apps. There's so many things that make your life easier, that make my life easier. Why not try to really focus, laser focus that, adapt that to what our staff can do for these individuals, how technology can make our individuals more independent so we don't need as many staff. You know, so I think as mm -hmm. we look to the future, let's embrace like what we almost see almost every day, like my Apple Watch or like you're you're a younger parent. I never I probably still should do it, but you know, I don't have to locate my children. 
you know, maybe once in a while. Um, but you know, like, why not take that embrace that technology? And once we like, if we train someone to take a bus, that we now know that they're safe and we don't have to follow them. We we don't have to have a staff member there the whole time. We know they're getting there. You know, we have to have backup, of course. Why can't we have you know some staff monitor people? At night, pretty much people sleep, you know, but we have one or two staff there at the home or whatever. Why, how come we can't like figure out living situations where we can have one staff monitor and then get their lickety split? I mean, we just have to embrace the technology so I don't need as many staff, but I still like keep my high quality of services. So I, I am on a state committee and that is kind of my push with the community, let's embrace it. I know it costs money, but sometimes that some money is more well spent than in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm happy about or what I'm looking forward to is, you know, just still be able to have the wherewithal and this agency still alive and thriving in the next, before I'm gone, so more people can be supported and families feel that they have somewhere to go. It's getting a little, a lot of families, there's waiting lists and stuff and it's getting better, but you know, how can we sustain ourselves? And I think we can, because I think, like you said, we are very creative, you know, um, and just still being there for these families mm-hmm. because disabilities aren't gonna go away you know, but the way we do our supports and how we do them and encouraging families and supporting families, I think that, I think we all can get better at that. But I also believe that um, the future, I think that families don't have to, families of a third grader shouldn't have to worry. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that on, on on a couple of things. One is, you know, as in the same vein, we mentioned or shared that a lot of executive directors are retiring because they're becoming of age, right? And this this aging trend has not just started, right? We, I mean, we, we know that a lot of our, our consumers or clients' parents are aging as well. And so there will be more people, I would assume, that would need services, right, in the near and mid and, and long-term future. And so I think it is important to get better and look for ways to improve. And I think, I think the one thing with technology is that people will, will share, some people, is that their fear is that it makes things more impersonal, right? But I, I believe that the example you just shared is an example of how it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that the key with technology is to use it and embrace it and keep that culture, keep that personal touch. And if you could do that, I think you'll have some wild success on that. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what that looks like for, for CTF in the future. I am too. I mean, if we're going to be like mission driven and it's, you know, support people to do the supports that, you know, kind of give them their best life, and I think what they, any individual um, that lives in our homes or attends our day programs, they're all, the majority are gonna say, I wanna be more independent. They're not gonna say it in those words, but they're gonna give you an example of what they wanna do. I wanna live in my own apartment. I want a job, you know. We just have to um, listen, right? I, and that is all that we strive to do. Um, and I just think there's better ways to do it because of the technology eventually. We just have to catch up. Well, that makes an awful lot of sense to me. We just have to be mindful enough to listen. Yep, yep, and be brave enough to do something different. 
There you go. Well, I don't think there's a, in my opinion, with my experience, there's not a shortage of bravery that goes around with nonprofit execs in Illinois. No. <laughs> or in any state agnostic. You know, you take away the state, and I, that's one reason why I look up to you and your peers so much. And, and I want to say thank you to you. Thank you to the wonderful work that CTF does and the foundation does. Um, you're a wonderful friend to the agency. Uh, we are so happy for your partnership, and thank you for being a guest on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, you see, you made my day better. It's another good, <laughs> another good meeting. Just passed us by. Um, well, good. Thank you for all you do too, Jason. I appreciate it. No, you're, you're very welcome. Well, that'll wrap it up. Until next time, thank you everybody for tuning in to the One Thing Podcast. <laughs>